Mother's Day is almost here. Have you found that truly special, sentimental gift for your mom yet? Don't worry, I got you. MyLifeInABook.com is a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Here's how it works. Every week, MyLifeInABook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions that you want to ask. And then, she can either type her response or use their voice-to-text feature, and MyLifeInABook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. Imagine discovering stories about her youth, adventures, and the challenges that she overcame. This book becomes a legacy, something you and your children can treasure forever. Your mom has given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a way to share them. I loved this idea so much that I've started my own My Life in a Book for my children to have. The thought of my son and daughter being able to learn about my life story as they grow into their own adulthood is truly special. It's been an enjoyable journey of self-reflection for me too, with questions like, which one event made the greatest impact on your life? It's brought back memories I didn't even know I had. I love it, and I know your mother will too. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code SERIALNAPPER at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use code SERIALNAPPER for 10% off today. Hey everyone, my name is Nikki Young and this is Serial Napper, an international true crime podcast. I'm back with another true crime story to lull you to sleep or perhaps to give you nightmares. A mother's love is like no other. As a mother myself, I truly believe this. I also cover a lot of different cases involving children and while I have no idea what their mothers have gone through, I can imagine the absolute rage that they would have against the perpetrator. This is the story of Marianne Bachmeyer, a mother who could no longer hold in all of that anger. Her seven-year-old daughter, Anna, would be murdered by an absolute monster named Klaus Grabowski. When faced with this piece of trash at trial, Marianne would open fire on her daughter's killer, striking him with six of her bullets. Now, Marianne would be the one on trial for murdering her child's killer. But how would she fare in the court of public opinion? Was Marianna justified in taking an eye for an eye? Let's jump right in. Before she was a mother, Marianne was a little girl who grew up in Sarstedt, Germany. Her parents had fled to this area from East Prussia after World War II. Her father had been a member of the Waffen-SS. Now I had to look this up. It is a combat branch of the Nazi Party's SS organization. No surprise here, but he was an angry, violent man who drank all of the time, leading to Marianne's parents' divorce when she was just a little girl. Her mother would remarry, and she would live with her mother and her stepfather for the majority of her life. It was not an easy living situation growing up. Marianne described her home life as a dictatorship. She said that her stepfather was incredibly strict, and he perceived her to be a difficult teenager. 
It was a very conservative, religious household with a lot of rules that she had trouble following. Eventually, her mother would get sick of her rebellious nature, and she would just kick her out of the home, and Marianne would have to make it on her own in this world. When Marianne was just 16 years old, she became pregnant with her first child, and she decided to give the baby up for adoption. She knew at that point in her life that she was not ready to become a mother. Then, when she was 18 years old, she became pregnant again, this time with her second child, and once again, she decided to give the baby up for adoption. The second pregnancy was supposed to be different than the first. It was a pregnancy with her boyfriend at the time, and she had wanted to keep the child initially. However, shortly before giving birth, she was sexually assaulted by an unknown man. In the end, she decided to give up her second daughter as well. Marianne would grow up a bit and then begin a serious relationship with a bar manager named Christian Berthold. When she was 22 years old, she would once again become pregnant. Christian promised to support her and the baby and to stick by her side. However, when Marianne gave birth to a daughter named Anna in 1972, Christian suddenly decided to back out of his responsibilities. He took off. Marianne decided this time she would raise the baby on her own, though she was done with having any more children, so she also decided to get sterilized. Her daughter, Anna, was perfect, everything that she could ever want or need. Even though Marianne had made the difficult decision to raise her child without her now ex-boyfriend's support, it was still a really huge struggle. The mother and daughter had a lot of financial difficulties, with Marianne doing her very best to manage shifts working at a local pub. It wasn't a great situation, especially as Anna grew older and needed more consistency in her life, especially when she started school. Marianne couldn't afford childcare, so she was known to take little Anna into the bar with her while she worked her shift. Then, when they returned home, Marianne would sleep all day while Anna was expected to care for herself. Those who were close to Marianne would say that she was fully aware how terrible of a situation this was for a child, but she was also trying hard to balance all of these things at once. It was just a really sad and difficult situation all around because as a result, Anna didn't have much of a childhood. And then she was taken. Seven-year-old Anna Bachmeyer was described as a happy and open-minded child. On May 5th, 1980, she would be taken from this world by a 35-year-old neighbor named Klaus Grabowski. On this day, Marianna was having a disagreement with little Anna. They had a huge argument, and even at this early of an age, Anna decided that she would skip school and instead go visit with a friend. It's unclear exactly what events transpired while she was on her way to this friend's home. However, we do know that she would come into contact with Klaus Grabowski. Klaus Grabowski was a neighbor of theirs and he also worked as a butcher. It's believed that he lured her to his home with the promise of letting her play with his cats. Once she was at his house for a few hours, he strangled her with pantyhose. Then he put her in a cardboard box, which he discarded on the bank of a canal. Grabowski was no stranger to hurting children. He had a criminal past and a pretty extensive history of abuse. 
He had two prior charges of sexually abusing girls, and he was a registered sex offender. In Germany, someone who is convicted of sexually abusing children used to be able to opt in to be castrated as part of their treatment. And yes, I said treatment because the German government strictly refers to it as a treatment rather than a punishment. Grabowski opted to be castrated, and he underwent hormone therapy. It would have been fairly simple for the police to put together the pieces when little Anna went missing. Grabowski was Anna's next-door neighbor, and he was a sex offender. He likely would have been one of the very first people that the police would have wanted to speak to. However, it didn't even get that far. Grabowski's fiance decided to call the police because he had confessed his crimes to her. Anna's body was quickly recovered from the canal bank, and Grabowski was swiftly arrested. Back at the police station, Grabowski admitted to killing seven-year-old little Anna, but he denied molesting her. And he had an absolutely wild story. This monster claimed that Anna was the one who attempted to seduce him, and when he didn't go along with whatever she wanted, she blackmailed him. According to him, she said that if he didn't give her money, she would falsely tell her mother that he had sexually abused her. So he panicked, and he killed her. Marianne was devastated by her daughter's murder, but she was even more distraught over this ridiculous claim that her killer was making. To suggest that an innocent little girl would ever come up with such a thing, it's ludicrous, and it's absolutely indignant to her. The prosecution alleged that they believed the crime was sexually motivated, and they wanted to charge Klaus Grabowski to the fullest extent with both sexually assaulting her and then murdering her. But of course, Grabowski denied the former, and it would all have to go to trial. I always find it to be the ultimate final knife in the stomach when a killer pleads not guilty, meaning the family now has to go through a trial and hear all of the graphic details and see all of the gruesome photos of their loved one. To plead guilty and to expedite the process is, in my opinion, an act of mercy and an act of true remorse. The trial began in March of 1981 at the District Court of Lübeck. Klaus Grabowski's defense was that he killed Anna during a time when he was experiencing a hormonal imbalance. Like I mentioned earlier, when he was in prison for sexually abusing another child, he had volunteered to be castrated. He blamed the castration for this hormonal imbalance that he said caused him to kill Anna that day. Anna's mother, Marianne, had to sit quietly in the courtroom day after day and listen to these excuses as to why her child was no longer alive. On the third day of trial, she could sit quietly no longer. Sometimes I have time to sit down and do my makeup, and sometimes I have 10 minutes in between recording the podcast and driving my kids to all of their sports. That's why I love mommy makeup. After being a professional makeup artist for over 20 years, Deborah Rubin Roberts had the privilege to work with some of the best brands and talent in the beauty industry. But it was becoming a mom that was the catalyst for Deborah to develop mommy makeup. 
She figured if she needed clean cosmetics that were fast and easy to use and gave makeup artists quality results, surely other women did too. Mommy Makeup is talc-free, paraben-free, cruelty-free, non-comodigenic, multitasking, and it's made in the USA. They also offer free shipping on all U.S. orders. I can tell you that my personal favorites are the Triple Sticks Lipstick, the Cream Blush and Treatment All-in-One, and the Stay Put Matte Lip Cream. I have it in the shade Dusty Rose, and I love it. You can save 20% off your first makeup order by using the promo code SERIALNAPPER at checkout or by going to mommymakeup.com slash SERIALNAPPER. Just use the code SERIALNAPPER at checkout to save 20% off your first makeup order or go to mommymakeup.com slash SERIALNAPPER. Check out my show notes for all of the details. Now back to our story. On March 4th, Marianne Bachmeyer snuck a 22 caliber Beretta pistol into the courtroom with her that day. She hid this pistol in her purse and she carried it right in. Then she fired eight shots into the crowd, six of those which hit Klaus Grabowski in the back, killing him immediately. One of the witnesses in the courtroom heard her say, I wanted to kill him. Then she dropped the gun and was taken into custody without incident. Marianne was charged with murder. If convicted, she could have been sentenced to spend the rest of her life in prison. This was really one of the first big cases of vigilante justice that the German courts had seen. The media took this story and they ran with it. Most people saw Mariana as a grieving mother who could no longer handle hearing about all of the horrible details surrounding her child's murder. Marianne's murder trial would play out in the courts for about four months, with her defense team saying that she could not be held responsible for her actions that day because she was overtaken with severe emotional distress. Mariana would take the stand in her own defense and testify that prior to that day, she had a dream where she had shot Grabowski. And then when she had walked into the courtroom that morning, she saw visions of her daughter standing there and she knew she had to take action. The prosecution alleged that she was fully aware of what she was doing that day. She had purchased the handgun about a week prior to the shooting, and she had said something highly suspicious, which was overheard by the judge. After shooting him, the judge overheard Marianne saying, I wanted to shoot him in the face, but I only got him in the back. I hope he's dead. There were also two policemen present on the day of the courtroom shooting who testified that they heard Marianne refer to Grabowski as a pig. And after the shooting, they heard her say, unfortunately, only got the pig from behind. Is anyone surprised that she said these things? This guy killed her daughter. These statements would be used to demonstrate that Marianne knew what she was doing that day. She was not in emotional distress. She was a mother on a mission to enact revenge for her daughter's death, according to the prosecution. One of the most heartbreaking accounts, in my opinion, came from a doctor who examined Marianne shortly after she shot Grabowski. She had asked her for a handwriting sample. According to the doctor, Marianne wrote on the paper, I did it for you, Anna, along with seven hearts. With the overwhelming support of the country behind her, the murder charges would be dropped. 
However, instead, she would be charged with manslaughter and unlawful possession of a firearm. While she was imprisoned waiting for her trial, she was sent many letters and gifts from people who supported her. All of the media was covering her story, and Marianne was even able to sell her life story for around $60,000 US, though she would use the majority of it to pay for her legal fees. Public opinion began to waver when a news story was published about Marianne's past. While initially she was portrayed as this heroic mother who shot her child's killer, feelings about who Marianne was began to change when people learned about her past with two pregnancies where she gave the children up for adoption. The public would also learn about her father's connection to the Waffen-SS, which of course didn't look good. But in the end, Marianne was sentenced to only six years in prison, and this was thought to be mostly a fair compromise. After sentencing, a poll was carried out by the Allensbach Institute, which indicated that 28% of Germans thought that her sentence was appropriate. 27% believed that the sentence was too heavy, and 25% believed that it was too light of a sentence. So it was pretty mixed, with a slight skew towards Marianne should be free. Marianne would actually only serve three years for shooting her daughter's killer. She was released early from prison because she was deemed to be a risk for suicide. When she was released, she would move on with her life the best that she could. She married a teacher and she moved to Ghana where her husband taught at a local school. A few years later, she would ultimately divorce this husband and move to Italy where she worked as a euthanasia assistant in hospice. Sadly, at the early age of just 46 years old, Marianne Bachmeier would die from pancreatic cancer. She was buried right next to her daughter, Anna. And this is where I turn it over to you to ask, do you think that Marianne was justified in shooting her daughter's killer? Do you agree with the idea of an eye for an eye? Or do you think that Marianne should have been charged with murder? Is vigilante justice ever okay? Let me know what you think. That's it for me tonight. If you want to reach out, you can find me on Facebook at Serial Napper. You can also search for me on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Check me out on Twitter at Serial underscore Napper or I post things on TikTok, Serial Napper Nick. If you're watching on YouTube, I'd love if you can give me a thumbs up and subscribe. Until next time. Stay safe, stay kind, especially in the comments. Bye.